Oh, we stay on East Coast time, so it works for us because if we're on the West Coast, then we're we're three hours early. If we're on the East Coast, we're on time. The voice you heard up top is that of owner-operator Chris Smith, one half of the team that is Dreamline Trucking, today headquartered in Crossville, Tennessee. And I'm happy to be able to report Overdrive's Truckers of the Month for last month, February. That puts Chris Smith and the other half of the owner-operator team, his wife, Ruth Smith, in the running as semi-finalists for Overdrive's 2023 Trucker of the Year Award. If you missed Overdrive News Editor Matt Cole's feature report about the business, Find it at overdriveonline.com or just listen on. As today, Cole will walk us through the Smith's history in conversation with the pair. And we decided, well, you didn't know. I'm, Excuse I'm, me. I'm just, you know, I'm carrying on. <laughs> Have you ever interviewed a husband and wife before? <laughs> a couple of times. This, this is totally oh, okay. normal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understatement of the year for Matt Cole, no doubt. I'm Todd Dills, your host as usual for this edition of Overdrive Radio Podcast for March 10th, 2023, where we'll drop into the Smith's Dreamline business, anchored today in Ruth and Chris Smith's long relationship and team operation leased to Southern Pride Trucking, hauling jet engines and other aviation-related freight. Their roots as a team are in the United Kingdom, where Chris cut his trucking teeth from the late 1980s on, hauling on the European continent as well as into Eastern Europe and Russia the Middle East, and more. They've got almost 10 years behind them as business owners now here in the States, though. Today hauling in a Big Bunk 2020 Peterbilt 389 that is their second Big Bunk unit, outfitted in this case with a 192-inch ARI sleeper with the creature comforts of a home on the road. exactly why we bought these trucks for the toilet. It had nothing to do with restaurant features or things like that. It was purely the toilet and the shower. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you hear today about maintenance practices, including a regular 15,000-mile oil change interval to stay on the safe side there, in coordination with a preferred shop in their home area. I make sure that if things, you know, little minor things, we make a list, and then boom, we go home to Tennessee, and I've got my guys there. Um, I give them the list. Here you go. She's rolling. I mean, she's three and a half years old. And we've got uh, 630,000 miles on her already. That shop will also do some more extensive work on the rig quite soon. The beautiful yellow peat took damage down the driver's side and to the herd bumper on the front end in a not-at-fault accident the Smiths were involved in recently. Here's Chris narrating how the disaster happened. We were on uh, going through Arkansas, and we were on 440 heading uh, west to get on to 30. And uh, a car was in a left left exit. There was a left exit on 440. She decided she didn't want to turn left. Uh, so basically, cut right in front of us. There was another car on the Smith's right that they were in the process of passing. That driver then decided to speed up and was undertaking me. And just at the last minute, he wanted to get in front of us. So as he went into the left lane she spared right they both hit in front of us one ended up being spun out where he hit the left side of my left side of my truck and did a lot of damage uh, the other vehicle got t-boned by us uh thanks to my herd bumper fantastic thanks yet 
put some, you know, gases and stuff on the bumper, but where I could have lost my whole front end, it didn't do anything. We're and basically we're still able to work because um, we're going to be taking some time off soon, where um, I can schedule everything properly and um, you know do it that you know do it when it benefits us, rather than oh God, here we go, we got to take more time off of work. Damaged my boxes, my boxes, my fender, uh, which also because my fenders are sort of joined with support in the middle, it damaged my right fender as well. Um, it put a crack in it, mm. and um, but yeah, I mean at the moment, uh, I mean it's tough because I love my truck. She is a beauty. I hate going to the left side of the truck and seeing the damage. <laughs> um, yeah. So I try to stay away from the left side of my truck at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. On the other side of a break, we'll drop into Chris and Ruth Smith's story right from the get-go with Chris's move to the United Kingdom after a childhood spent mostly in the U.S. and then time in the U.S. Army for his maiden voyages following an uncle into trucking across the pond. So stay tuned. Now that winter's here, it's time to prepare yourself for the conditions you will encounter. By adding Howe's Diesel Treat at every fill-up, you can prevent your diesel fuel from gelling in even the coldest temperatures. While it safely removes water, adds lubricity, and prevents deposits, the nation's number one anti-gel will help protect your engine and provide you with the added power you crave. Backed by the only no-tow guarantee, Howe's Diesel Treat will keep you rolling no matter what weather comes your way. Learn more at howesproducts.com. House, tested, trusted, guaranteed. It's H-O-W-E-S, houseproducts.com. Here's Chris Smith. I got involved trucking after I left the Army in uh, 1987. Uh, I went back to the UK because I was wondering what I was going to do after I got out of the army. There's not much call for people killing people, so obviously I was looking to see what I was going to do. Um, so my uncle uh, was driving trucks in England and Europe, and I thought, wow, that seems like an interesting job. And um, so I went back to the UK, started driving over there. Um, Drove uh, all over Europe and, and then in the, um, just on the later edges of the 80s, uh, in basically 88, 89, I drove the transcontinental run from the UK to the Middle East. And um, yeah, that was a, sort of an eye opener for me as well. Um, and then came back to the States, drove over here, because I sort of like went back and forth from the UK to the US because my parents were obviously living over here so mm -hmm. I sort of always missed them so I went back and forth and trucking was actually um, main job then it became sort of a backup job where because I was a musician so when I wasn't doing anything musically uh, my backup thing was always get a job working for a trucking company and, and do that so I've been driving since 87. Half of my career was spent driving in the, in the UK and Europe and the Middle East and 
the other half was over here. Uh, which is how I met Ruth through driving. Uh, she used to work at a what we call a Waybridge. Chris and I met one one of his stints uh, in the UK. Um, the other half of Dreamline there, on operator Ruth Smith. I'm English as well, but uh, mm-hmm. so we met up over there. I was working for a like a feed merchant um, with a public Waybridge, and he came in with scales. His, the scales. We call them Waybridges. Scales, same thing. And he came in, uh, we met when I was working there, um, subsequently we got married, um, and about three months after we got married, uh, there was a, a change in our situation, let's say. Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> um, I was driving for a trucking company over there um, called Ellen Furman. They're actually still in business. I, I still know... Um, some of their drivers. One of my best friends, actually, who we worked with, he's over here as well, um, working over here. The carrier at the time had a shirt and tie policy for all personnel, and Chris just wasn't complying 100%. Another driver reported that to the company, but it would turn out to be something of a blessing in disguise, opening up new opportunities for the young couple. And I actually got fired because I wasn't wearing my tie. On Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve. I, I showed up but, uh, to pick him up from work, uh, I had the turkeys sitting on the back seat that my my company had given me as a Christmas gift, and uh, Christmas Eve roll up, pick him up. He gets in the car. I'm fired. I've been fired. I oh great, thanks a lot. Merry Christmas. <laughs> my wife gets a turkey, and I get what they call in England they call a P45, which is like a pink slip. We came over to the U.S. for our honeymoon. Um, and while on our honeymoon, because we went down to Atlanta, then we went to Florida, we um, looked, we heard, we heard about uh, couples mm-hmm. that drive. And we actually went for sort of a job interview slash, I guess, job date thing. Um, and it was CR England at the time. We actually went while on honeymoon to see what that was all about. And, um, you know, so we did talk about it sort of briefly when we first got married, but, you know, obviously we had a life. I had a, you know, decent job in England. Um, I wasn't driving uh, in Europe anymore. The job that I got fired from was just driving the UK, which is okay. uh, about as boring as, I guess, driving California all the time. And Chris said, well, you know what? We can always go to the States and drive a truck. And I'd never driven a truck at that point. I was uh, an office girl, country girl, office girl. That was it. That was my background. Um, so I said, okay. So off we went, um, moved to uh, the U.S., based in California initially. That's where Chris's house was. Um, I went to truck driving school. Uh, he had already hired on with the company that was training me. Dick Simon. Uh, very yes. uh, yeah. This, the skunk truck called Dick Simon, kind of defunct now, but um, so he became my trainer, and there we were. That that was it, and that was in 1998. Yeah. So that was my first introduction to truck driving. Chris, what uh, you know, what took you to the UK after after your time in the army? Did you have ties there before? Well, yeah, my, I, I'm English. You can't tell by my accent, but I am actually English. Uh, with an exception of my mom, my dad, my sister who lived in California, because basically my my family immigrated from the UK to uh, California in the 60s. 
I was like five years old. So um, I sort of like have half of my life spent in the UK and half spent over here. I sort of never settled down. I, I was always, you know, I like living here and I like living over there. And it was trying to get the best of both worlds. And so when I got out of the army, uh, it had nothing to do with what I didn't like or what I didn't. I just, you know, I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And he was a young man. I was still young. Yeah, I was still young. You know, the grass never grew under my feet, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I knew about my uncle driving trucks over there. And it's like, well, I can drive over here and you stay in the same country, pretty much. Or I can drive over there and I can actually drive to other continents. I went, went back there. Well, driving in the UK, and especially down to the Middle East, which is basically doesn't happen anymore, um, because obviously, you know, tensions and all that stuff, war-wise. Mm -hmm. um, but um, it, it opened my eyes. I believe it made me want a better driver, uh, because of all the situations that I had to deal with at the time. If I was older, I probably wouldn't have done it, um, because it was... At the time I was doing the Middle East, uh, there was still, there was a war with Iraq and Iran. They were both at war with each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had, you had bandits and we carried cash. There wasn't no credit cards or, or fuel cards, telephones or anything like that. Uh, when I left England, I left England with uh, three hard, what we call hard currency at the time, which was the US dollar, uh, the German Deutschmark and the English pound sterling. And I had like $10,000, you know, 10,000 in cash on me because that's how you have to pay for everything. So the bandits um, knew this and they went after drivers to, to steal their money, um, you know, whichever way they wanted to do it. But I think it made me, you know, like I said, I think driving over there made me, it's, it's a tough job over there. Not taking any, anything away from over here, you know, it's, I mean, during the winter, this is a tough job. You know, which is why now at my age, I like to stay away, far away from the north as I can during the winter. But um, it made me better at, like, at the time, looking after, looking after my own truck, uh, doing road surf, uh, road services on, you know, my truck myself. If I had flat tires, you get change them yourself. Uh, you know, there, you couldn't pick up a phone and call, you know, the breakdown people. You didn't have the services once you left Western Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, once you got into Eastern Europe, which at those days you still had East Germany and you know everything else, it, it was a whole different ball game. The U.S. is 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 made for trucks. It, okay, it's not made for this many trucks at the moment, mm -hmm. um, but that's another story in itself. Um, but the U.S. truck stops and everything like that, it, it's, and it's always been that way. Even back, even in the olden days, you still had truck stops, you know, before my time. So it was always built for trucks. You never had that in Europe. You know, you might have had what they call motorway services, which is actually more geared for cars than it is for trucks, which were always highway robbery because food mm. and all that cost much. Um, so... Yeah, there's a couple people I know in this country over here. Um, one of the guys lives in Florida. He, we met through Facebook um, because we we belong to the same sort of like European page. 
Um, and he used to do exactly what I did. And we know all the same places. So it's kind of nice, you know, reminiscing with someone that actually knows what you did. But it didn't help me anything over here because everybody wanted, um, like when I came back over here, my driving career was, you know, more over there at the time. Everybody wanted verifiable experience from this country. They they didn't care what, what I did in Europe. <laughs> you came over together in 1998. Ruth learned how to drive a truck. You were her trainer and you guys started driving team at that point. Talk about what happened in the years after you got to the States. At that point, I think we were driving for about three years, team driving. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, Chris at that point had been driving for so many years, he was starting to feel a little bit like he needed a change. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did actually come out of trucking for a short time. Um, he went to work for a telephone company. I was uh, working in a, uh, for an oil company. Uh, for BP in the office. Arco. Uh, well, it was Arco, which was actually subsequently bought by BP um, as in their um, trucking terminal uh, for the fuel carriers. And um, then we made a decision that we actually wanted to leave California, funnily and strangely, you know. It wasn't the place that Chris had grown up in anymore. You know, it's obviously right. been a lot of changes over the years. And we we couldn't decide where we wanted to live. We looked at various places, Florida being one of them, and we were sort of on the point of deciding to move there. And then that was in 2004, Four. and I think there were three, five, five major hurricanes. Hit well, there was a couple of major. There was five hurricanes that hit Florida that year. We we thought actually Florida's probably not such a good idea after all. We didn't fancy like having a brand new house built and then having it flattened. So we we actually made a decision to go back to England. Um, we thought that was the best thing to do for us. So we we did go back to England in 2005, but it was the worst move we ever made. Oh yeah. Um, Worst ten years of my life. It took us ten years to cut to leave again because of just different things going on, and we we regretted moving back there, and we made a plan to come back to the U.S. again. So mm-hmm. we were out of trucking totally for that ten years. But then we said, you know what? Uh, well, Chris's idea it was his idea to buy our own truck. Um, he'd seen. He'd been looking online and he'd seen uh, Southern Pride and the trucks that Southern, you know, a lot of drivers uh, have with Southern Pride. And that caught his attention. And he said, you know what, we could go back there, buy our own truck and go and uh, work for this company. And, you know, that looks really cool. So that's what we decided to do. But it took us 10 years to come back. So we were back in 2015. Um we didn't immediately buy our, our truck because uh, we wanted to decide what we wanted and, mm-hmm. you know, size the truck and everything. And um, so it took, we went to work for a, a, a couple of different companies, company drivers for the first couple of years because we'd been out of trucking for 10 years and we needed to get some more background behind us. So right. uh, and for the U.S., you know, hiring requirements, you know, U.S a lot of these uh, trucking companies hiring requirements um so yeah then uh, uh we were working for my board brothers really 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 good company 
anyone that wants to work for a company as a company driver, you got to work for them. They're they're just fantastic. They're people. out of Rockford, Illinois. Uh, out of Rockford. Um, okay. But we were going through Texas, and I was humming and hawing. Not that I'm not that I'm skin flint, but I was humming and hawing about you know do we buy a normal truck for like 120 thousand, or do we get the bigger truck, which is you know double that that price. Right. And uh, so I I couldn't quite make my mind up, but we were going through Texas. And uh, I just woke up. Bruce was driving. I asked her, I said, how long for the next rest area? I need to go to the bathroom. So about 45 minutes. I'm like, that's it. We get the bigger truck. I'm one of the trucks <laughs> with the toilet. Uh, I, I, on, my, on my father's grave, that's exactly why we bought these trucks. Um, <laughs> for the toilet. It had nothing to do with restaurant features or things like that. It was purely the toilet the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um yeah and you know we had a plan um and you know how plans go but surprisingly enough our plan hit letter for letter and it worked out great we bought our first truck in 2016 it was a 579 peterbilt with a 144 inch uh ari sleeper on it which was our first truck okay um and now you got to understand, I've never been in business for myself at all, ever. Um, I've always worked for a company. Um, but the one thing that did help me is when we went back to the UK, I worked for the phone company over there, but I was a manager slash uh, senior manager as well. So uh, the managerial side of things and, you know, how to do that, that obviously helped me with owning our own business. But the, the good thing is that I didn't have 187 employees that I had to worry about. <laughs> right. Which, which was why we came back to the U.S. Because I said to Ruth, I came home, I said, look, if I got to keep doing this job, I'm going to be dead within a year. Because uh, it was it was a heart attack waiting to happen. I just, right. You know, it, you work 24-7. Um, and I love golf and it started, it took away from my golf and all that. And I'm like, that's it. We're done with this. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, we got our first truck in 2016. We worked, we leased on with a company called STI, which we did, uh, museum artifacts and fine art movements okay. uh, in their, uh, cli- in their climate control fleet. We were always basically going to work for Southern Pride. But I went with STI first and we actually changed the design on the truck because the first truck should have been a 389. But because I've never worked for Southern Pride, I didn't know what their, you know, what it was like working for them. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, if I buy a big truck, now we're stuck. We reduce the basically what we can do uh, because of the, you know, the size of it. Right. So we cha- I changed the design of the truck to the 579. And my friend who I worked with in England, Alan Furman's, was a driver for STI. And so I decided to go with them. And uh, we worked for them for a couple of years. Um, 
And then we finally, they were bought out by CRST. And when that happened, it's like, okay, we need to, we need to move to Southern Pride now. I got in touch with Southern Pride and we came over here uh, 2017 or 18. 18. Yeah, we love it. We're, you know, we're looking at making some changes now to the trailer. Uh, we're going from, you know, an open deck, flat, open deck, step deck mm-hmm. to, to uh, uh, Conestoga because, because we're getting, we're getting, not getting any younger and I want to keep my driving capabilities for a lot more longer. Um, so we're going to the Conestoga so we don't have to, um, the tarping anymore and yeah we, we like what we do um we do have a life on the road we spend a lot of time on the road we do have a home mm-hmm. in tennessee although we don't go there very often you know on our truck we got our golf clubs we got barbecue and all that so we can actually have a life on the road as well so yeah you know in your normal day-to-day how do you guys typically split your driving time uh, we stay on a schedule. Um, it's a lot more easier on my wife than it is me because we both have to be awake um, during the day when we when we get loaded or during mm-hmm. the you know during the nighttime. But most of the time it's during the day, um, so my sleep always gets interrupted. But we stay on a five to five schedule. We don't alter from that. Okay. Um, so Ruth does five. AM to 5 PM. I do 5 PM to 5 AM. Now, if, um, you know, we get loaded and it's four o'clock, then Ruth only has to worry about driving for an hour, but it all works out because sometimes, um, we get where she's been driving all day and we get to somewhere, then it's my turn and I've only got an hour to work. So, um, although she can sort of stay on her sleep pattern and mine gets interrupted, um, it, it does work out. It's what we found works the best. And yeah. we stay on the one time zone. We we tried altering time zones, you know, when we went through them. That just doesn't work for us. I mean, I might go to bed in California and I'll wake up in New Mexico, you know. And <clears throat> so, you, you know, changing time zones like that, I know some truckers do it, but yeah, it don't, it didn't work for us. Yeah, keep the keep your body clock on the same uh, on the same schedule. Yeah, I mean it, it's nice. I mean, on sort of a personal level, um, when we come anywhere west, and like I said, you know, we our big thing is playing golf. If we're waiting for a load, we look for the nearest golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't just sit in the truck doing nothing, you know. Um, so when you're on the West coast, you can take those early tea times, which are always available because they don't want them. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You know, so that, that's sort of, you know, on a sort of a, a non-work thing, it works out really great for that. Tell me about your, the truck that you're in now, Beverly two. Yes. Beverly two, um, was obviously named after my sister. Um, uh, everything about the truck is to do with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yellow because of the house I grew up in, um, which I have the most fondest memories uh, with my family. You can find a picture of that house in the story I wrote about Beverly Two when it won Overdrive's 2021 Pride and Polish Virtual Truck Show in the Working Combo category. 
Got a link to that story in the show notes and, and in the post that houses this podcast for March 10th, 2023. Overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio. The truck number is my sister's date of birth. Uh, lights on the top of the sleeper are for the, the um, month my dad was born. Uh, on the bumper, it's for the month my mom was born. Uh, Ruth doesn't know this yet, but the new trailer we're getting. Um, the lights on the top of the trailer are for the month my wife was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always, everything's in the family. Um, it's a 389 Peterbilt 2020. It was, it's my biggest truck. We're a 380 inch wheelbase. Um, wow. We've got a 192 inch uh, sleeper with a 48 foot, at the moment, a 48 foot open deck. Uh, soon to be a 48 foot Conestoga. He's got a fantastic Cummins 605 engine with an 18-speed manual. We had the automatic in Beverly Number no. 1 and didn't like it, so went back to a manual. Yeah, I, I, I love it. When you get to these trucks, there's, there's more customizing capabilities out there. <laughs> there's more, more places to spend your money for Chrome. Absolutely. Um, then there is, you know, the modern trucks or the Volvos and all that kind of stuff. You know, I drove like Volvos. I drove Volvos before they were even this, even in this country. Um, you know, they're nice trucks. European trucks are really, really nice trucks. I mean, you drive a European truck, it's like driving a Mercedes car. Very comfortable. You know, um, they look at these trucks as really backwards. You know, and then they are. They're basic. You know, rattle and shake, rattle and roll. Um, <laughs> right. But that's what I wanted. I wanted old school truck, you know, sort of like what I actually took my first test in was a Peterbilt. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love her to bit. She does, does us good. You know, we take care of her maintenance wise. I don't mess around with maintenance, mm-hmm. you know, oil changes every 15,000 miles, tire changes, tire rotations. Uh, I make sure that if things, you know, little minor things, we make a list. And then, boom, we go home to Tennessee, and I've got my guys there. Um, I give them the list. Here you go. She's rolling. I mean, she's three and a half years old, and we've got uh, 630,000 miles on her already. Do you plan on keeping it until retirement, or do you have plans for uh, another new one at some point down the road, or hadn't quite decided uh, yet? No, Peterbilt, uh, Peterbilt won't go this long anymore. Okay. Um, I mean, there is one truck out there, which is, uh, Tony Bennett's old yellow truck that used to work for Southern Pride. His is actually the longest 379 ever made, factory-wise. Okay. Um, I guess we're the second longest. Um, and they stopped doing them. They, they will not let you go this long anymore. So uh, I'm going to keep her till she till we retired. We, we are looking at planning on... Uh, updating the sleeper inside, okay. you know, changing, just changing things around like you would do at your house, you know, right. a little bit of remodeling type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, but no, this, this girl's going to be around me until I, until we stop driving. Um, and then maybe I'll sell her or if not, I'll be buried in her one of the two. <laughs> there you go. Just turn it into a, uh, turn it into an RV and, and, you know, travel the country recreation style. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are, there are RVs 
trucks that have been, you know, transformed like that. So absolutely. Is it financed or you still, uh, or do you own it outright? No, I've got a, we've got a year left to, to pay on it. Yeah. On the financial side, I've got a great accountant. Um, who's, they're not actual truck accountants. They're, they're real good CPAs, uh, and bookkeepers, uh, that take care of all that. You know, there's enough for us to do on the road, you know, with work in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I wanted to do was do that as well. Um, so we got great bookkeepers, um, again, great accountants that that do that, you know, every year for us. They also right. do our personal taxes as well. Um, and, yeah, that's just one less thing I have to worry about. They always send me uh, emails, you know, uh, you know, for taxes, quarterly taxes and all that. Um, we went from just an LLC to uh, now a LLC escort because of the, you know, the money that we make. And, um, yeah, that side of things, it's done by a company in Arizona called Chaston, Chaston Tax Services. Uh, really great people. Like I said, they don't actually specialize in, you know, like you got these trucking companies out there that mm-hmm. are these tax companies that are specifically for trucks. Uh, I went with someone that's more uh, into, you know, corporate tax. We send them receipts. They, they, he has access to my business account okay. uh, so they can see what we, what we spend and what we spend it on through that so we don't have to send them loads of paper. Um, for the business, uh, 99.9% of the time, I use my business card to buy anything, whether mm-hmm. it be oil changes, tires, all that kind of stuff. So it's easy for them to look at. So we, we do keep business separate from personal. Makes it a lot easier that way, especially on the business. And the last two or three years have been, uh, you know, have been tough on everybody. And especially last year for expenses with fuel and everything and everything else going up. You know, how did you guys manage, uh, you know, the rising fuel prices last year, parts prices? Funny enough, last year wasn't a big issue. Not for us. Uh, 2020 was the big issue for us because although you had certain um, freights moving, you know, general haulage obviously was very good. Uh, but we haul aviation, and during COVID, no planes were flying. No one would go. You know, people were going on business trips. They weren't going away on vacation. So you know, uh, if you went at the time and went to an airport. You would see, I was shocked by what we saw. We saw if that place, if that place had three runways, two of their three runways were stacked up with airplanes parked. It was the most horrific thing you'd ever want. You would think it was Armageddon. And we're not talking just one airport. We're talking airports across the country, especially in, in sort of Arizona, the dry states that have a lot of, you know, wrecking yards for airplanes anyways airports were stacked up with air with airplanes just parked not moving um you know their engines were all taped up you know the the intakes and the exhaust um you know the windows were all taped up it was like everything was it it was like the world came to an end so we went from which made it hard on us which i think with me 
I felt proud of my business plan that I did for the truck and payments and stuff because we went from doing 14 loads a month four, and that was pretty much anyone that worked for Southern Pride. We had we had a lot of people that left Southern Pride because they could not obviously afford to put up with it. But uh, that's how Southern Pride shared it with pretty much most other people that worked for this company. We were only doing four loads a month. We survived when people have massive truck payments. I'm lucky enough where we don't have massive truck payments. I had a conversation just last week with Seth Keck, owner of JT Carriers out of Sorrento, Florida, about this very subject. The 30-truck fleet owner noted something of a sweet spot he felt he'd finally found when it comes to equipment debt. At well less than 50% of the truck and trailer equipment's value at the time of purchase, essentially. The Smiths, when they bought that big-ticket home on the road 2023-89 Big Bunk in 2019, couldn't have known the storm was coming for them in 2020, yet they hit that sweet spot ratio, and then some, financing only $150,000 to purchase. That left plenty in cash reserves that allowed them to stay the course through to 2022. With fuel prices going up, but we were working, and we are taken care of financially. We make pretty good money. Not the best. There's a lot of people out there that do make more money than what we do. So with the fuel prices, basically we turned the speed down. Uh, instead of doing like 71, 72, uh, basically I made it where we do no, we don't go any faster than 68 miles an hour. That increased our mileage, which obviously increased. Uh, the distance we can travel. Um, also, instead of filling up every half a tank, we started filling up every sort of three quarters of a tank. Um, I mean, sometimes I put more fuel in this than I thought it would hold, <laughs> um, because we could we could go from, you know, obviously we shopped around for fuel. Um, we still used a lot of the major truck stops. There are some mom and pop places that I will go into. But uh, fuel-wise, you know, there's, there's a company out there called, you know, TA Petro. I believe we get better fuel mileage using that fuel than I do other fuels. Um, okay. So we can go anywhere up to 1,400 miles in a fuel in a fill-up. So within that 1,400 miles, I can shop around. Right, what's the cheapest within that 1,400 miles? So, and that's how we sort of, you know, made up a little bit. We would never fill up in California. That was that was that's a get go. We spent yeah. a lot more time planning our fuel stops than we used to. It used to be when we needed fuel, we stopped and got it. Now it's like like Chris says, we plan uh, depending on our route, depending on which states we go through. You know, we're constantly checking to see what the prices are on that day, uh, and then planning, 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 and it makes a big difference over the course of a year. I mean, we haven't actually sat down and worked the difference out, but I know it's making a lot of difference on uh, trying to keep those fuel costs down. What my fuel bill was last year? A whopping $165,000. A lot of money in fuel for, uh, for a one truck business type of thing. Obviously, yeah. yes, everyone else, everyone else does that as well. Um, but it, it's a big, it's a big chunk out of your, out of your money. Well, the other thing we do is we tend to do more of now. Uh, we used to just uh, go interstate route wherever we were going. If it was longer miles, if it was more miles, we'd take the interstate. 
But now we look for the shorter trips, the shorter routes mm-hmm. uh, to save on the, mile, on the mileage as much as we can. So we've been a bit more adventurous. Depends. Like, given the size of the truck and, you know, <laughs> how... How, how how tight some of those turns are going to be, as long as there aren't too many lefts and rights and through small towns and whatnot. Uh, we'll try different routes, uh, especially during the daytime when you can see where the heck you are. Uh, so, we, we you know, we do that. We try and shorten the trip a bit where we can as well, and that, that all helps, cuts down on the mileage. A fuel card or any sort of discount through Southern Pride, or are you a member of... Any groups that uh, give you any sort of discount? Yes, we've got the EFS card. Okay. Southern Pride. Um, I've now also just joined another company, TCS or TSC, TCS. Um, I just joined their fuel, got a fuel card through them for myself because I'm looking at, you know, like maybe what Southern Pride gets, maybe I can do better. However, that recent exploratory shift turns out. The Smiths for sure have found a home where they're leased. The culmination of a plan, mulled over, designed, and executed in full over the last decade. My truck was was built, you know, Beverly 2 was actually built for Southern Pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we don't plan on going anywhere else. Uh, <clears throat> basically, I plan on being here until I can't drive anymore. Southern Pride basically wrote the book on aviation and how to haul it and everything that they're now expanding on uh letting you know letting trucks have a uh, you know get a conestoga and all that stuff so but no we like we like working for southern pride here's a big thanks to owner operators ruth and chris smith for their time and congrats to the couple as well trucker of the month win for february puts them in the running for overdrive's 2023 trucker of the year award Best of luck to them there, but we've got a long way to go before the final wrap on the program. You can enter your own owner-operator business or nominate a fellow owner-operator you know well who has the qualities of success for profit in these tough times. You can do that via the entry page you can find at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio with a link in the post that houses this podcast for March 10th, 2023, or alternately, find it in the show notes wherever you're listening. Overdrive Radio gets out to most all the podcast platforms where you can leave us a rating or review, and I'll say I truly appreciate all the recent feedback on it. Keep it coming via our message line at 615-852-8530. Thanks again to our sponsor for making it all possible. That's the Howes Company, with their line of winter anti-gel and other fuel treatments, alcohol-free penetrating oil that got them started more than a century ago, and much more. Find that Howes, H-O-W-E-S, houseproducts.com Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker songwriter and Overdrive contributor, Long Haul Paul Marhofer, the theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marvel, featuring the guitar work of Travis the Snake Man himself, Wamek, Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, who 
heard his work in today's edition, of course. And also, social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Lockie, and video editors Lawson Rudisell and Mr. Andrew Gwynn. See you next week.